the table. A place where stories are shared, hearts are open, and relationship is real. This year, a year like no other, we may be sitting in a seat of brokenness, loneliness, emptiness, even a seat of uncertainty. But there's love, hope, joy, and peace found in our Savior who is So a few weeks ago, um, I sat at a table <clears throat> in my office across from a, another guy. And we had, a, we had a great conversation. We actually had met about uh, something else. And uh, when we were finishing up our meeting, he said, hey, can we just talk about one thing uh, before I go? He said, um, you know, <clears throat> you, you know my story. Uh, and I did. Um, uh, several years ago. Uh, this guy had, uh, had been very involved in church, had been uh, serving in a variety of areas, and then um, he blew it. Uh, he had an affair. He blew up his family and blew up his marriage, continued in that relationship, separation, divorce, the whole bit, the whole bit, and uh, left kind of jettisoned the faith, left church, and we didn't see him for a while, tried to reach out, and he was uh, no, nowhere to be found. And then um, by, by God's grace, by God's grace, he came to his senses and he, and he came back. He left the relationship. Uh, he um, was restored to his wife. They actually uh, uh, renewed their vows, got remarried, which was uh, pretty cool. And he sat there and he said, you know, I, I know I blew it. And I can't even imagine my wife forgiving me. But I'm having really a hard time accepting the fact that God would forgive me. And he said, I go through these stretches of time when I, I, I just feel discouraged. I question my relationship with the Lord. I wonder about my eternity. How could, how could after I did that, knowing what I knew, right, how could God accept me back. And, and even on the good days when I feel like he has, I feel like kind of a second class Christian. God's never really going to use me again. You relate to that story? I, I put out a, a thing on Facebook this week. I asked this question. I said, this weekend I'm, I'm preaching on brokenness. How do you think most people respond to past failure and defeat a lot of people responded. Here, here were just a few. A guy named Tim uh, said this, anger, frustration, depression, blaming others, blaming self. That was a constant theme, blaming self, blaming God. Another uh, individual, Michelle, wrote this, um, embarrassment, shame, disbelief. A guy named uh, Dave wrote this, for me, he said, brokenness and past failure has led to a path of destruction. Kevin uh, said this, at, uh, at some point, you, you just want to give up. 
A person's knocked down so much that a person has no fight left. And when that happens, he loses his faith in Jesus. And then one more, a guy named Pete uh, said this. He said, um, and I thought this was very insightful. He said, some folks bury the brokenness, right, the defeat in their, their past in their minds, never wishing to acknowledge it, let alone face it. Unfortunately, this buries it in their soul also. Pretty insightful. We're going to talk more about that. So think about this brokenness. Maybe uh, you didn't have an affair, but, but there's some stuff in your past that just keeps coming back to haunt you. Maybe it's something that happened a long time ago, high school or college or some other time in your life. Maybe, maybe it's one of those things a lot of people knew about. Maybe, maybe no one else knew about it. And maybe it's just something you, you struggle within. And, and in those times you think, man, if I'm thinking this, if I'm feeling this, if I'm doing this, how in the world could God ever accept me? How in the world could God ever use me? And if I am a believer, maybe I just have to be a second-class believer and just kind of, as one writer said, uh, uh, go to heaven in the dark of the night. So the good news is, we're going to share today is if you have those feelings, if you can relate to brokenness, you don't have to keep sitting in the chair. God has some great things for you. Turn with me to John chapter 21. Gospel of John chapter 21. Now, by the way, um, sometimes brokenness might come from the outside like a death and we're just broken because we're grieving. We're going through some really hard times. Uh, if that's your case, we have a great ministry. It's called Blue Christmas. And we have some people who have, have put that on. And, and it's just a great ministry. You can go to biblechapel.org uh, slash Christmas and, and watch that. Share it with other people. That's the brokenness that comes from the outside. But, but today, let's think of the brokenness that comes from the inside. Let's think of, let's think of the sin that causes this brokenness in our life. John chapter 21 takes place after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is alive. And he's been appearing uh, to the disciples after the resurrection. He appeared to them the first time the night of the resurrection. They were in a room by themselves with the doors shut and locked, and he just, he just appeared to them in the room right there, the risen Lord. And then about a week later, he appeared to them in the same way. And then he said, go up to Galilee. Go to the northern part of Israel. They were in Jerusalem at that point. Go to the northern part of Israel, and, uh, and I'm going to meet you there. In John chapter 21, verse 2, we read that there were seven disciples waiting for Jesus in Galilee, and one of those disciples was a broken man, broken because of his sin. His name is uh, Simon. Uh, we often refer to him as Simon Peter. Jesus gave him that nickname, Peter, the Greek word Petros. It means rock. Simon the rock. I want to build my church on you, Simon. Simon, you are solid like a rock. And right before his death, Jesus told the disciples, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. 
I'm going to die there, and, and you guys are going to, you guys are going to desert me. And remember what Peter the Rock said? Not me. I will be with you, Lord, I will go with you even until death. I will be with you till the very end. Even if the rest of these guys, you know, you really can't count on these guys anyway. Even if the rest of these guys run, I will stay with you to the very end. My name's Peter the Rock. And Jesus said in John 13, will you really lay down your life for me, Peter? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. And that night in the garden when Jesus was arrested, Peter ran, he ran with the rest. The first trial that Jesus had was at the high priest. And when Jesus was in the house of the high priest, there was a courtyard outside. And uh, Peter and John followed Jesus at a distance. They went to the courtyard. It was cold that night. And there was a fire built in the courtyard. And they were standing around the fire warming themselves. In the light of the fire, a servant girl said, Hey, you're one of those guys with Jesus. And Peter said, no, I am not. And then a little bit later, another person said, hey, I know you, you're with Jesus. And Peter said, nope, got the wrong guy. And then check this out in Luke 22, verse 59. And after an interval of about an hour, stood there another hour warming by the fire, another insisted saying certainly this man also was with him for he too is a Galilean but Peter said man I don't know what you're talking about and immediately while he was still in the middle of that I don't know what you're talking about the rooster crowed and now check out 61 and the Lord who had been inside the high priest's house now is walking being escorted through that courtyard. Look at verse 61. And the Lord turned. Can you imagine this? The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Can you imagine? You've just, God, I'm, Jesus, I'm with you. I will be with you. The rest may run, not me. And you've just denied Jesus three times. And as you deny him the third time, he locks eyes. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. But now, Jesus is alive. And they've seen him twice. And now they're in Galilee waiting. And in John 21, verse 3, Simon Peter said to the other disciples with him, there were seven altogether, so six others, he said, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Now, a lot of commentators wonder why Peter wanted to go fishing. Some people say he was waiting on Jesus and he just wanted to pass some time. Others say he needed some money to buy some food. Others say he just, it was his way of saying, I'm kind of done with Jesus. I failed him. He'll never use me again. I don't even know if I can face him again. I'm going to go back to my old vocation. Regardless of what it was, Peter got in the boat, and they got on the Sea of Galilee, and they went out about 100 yards. They're 100 yards out into the sea. Look at verse 4. 
just as day was breaking. So the sun's just coming up. Jesus stood at the shore, yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. That's not a miracle that he hid themselves from him. They're 100 yards away, and the sun's just barely coming up. Jesus is on the shore, and he yells out to them in verse 5, Children, do you have any fish? They're 100 yards out, but over the Sea of Galilee... You can, you, you can uh, talk, and it carries on the water. So he says, children, you have any fish? And they say, uh, no. And then he said, well, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Later on, they counted the fish, and later on, we learned there were 153 large fish in the net. But the net didn't tear. Now, while... They're out there, and while they didn't know it was Jesus, and they put the net out after they hadn't caught any fish, John starts putting two and two together. The first time Jesus called the disciples, those disciples to follow him, was a very similar situation. You remember? It's recorded in John, uh, Luke chapter 5. And Jesus was in Galilee. He was by the shore. And um, uh, he, he was speaking and a large crowd started pushing him back into the water. And so he got into a boat, these fishermen who had been out all night fishing. And he got into the boat and he stood there preaching. And, uh, and then after he got through preaching, he said, let's go out and catch some fish. And Peter said, oh, Lord, come on. We were fishing all night and we didn't catch a thing. But just if you say so, we'll go. And so they did. And in that instance, they caught so many fish that the nets begin to tear. And Peter, who had been a, a master fisherman, who had been all, out, all night fishing, caught nothing, realizing now in the middle of the day when you catch fish at night, now it's daytime. This was a miracle. And he, and he fell on his knees. You can only imagine in the boat, full of fish, fish up to his waist. He fell on his knees. And remember what he said? Depart from me, Lord. I am a sinner. And Jesus said, hey, guys, follow me, and we're going to catch more than fish. Follow me, and you'll be fishers of men. And so John started putting those two stories together. He remembered that story back, in, uh, back uh, three years earlier when Jesus had done a similar thing. And John said, it's the Lord. It's got to be the Lord. It's Jesus. And Peter was stripped down into basically his underwear at that time, his work clothes, and he grabbed his robe, and it says he threw himself into the sea. He couldn't wait to get to the shore and see Jesus. But here's something interesting. When he comes to the shore, he doesn't go immediately to talk to Jesus. Man, that's kind of where we are when we're broken, isn't it? We know we want to be near Jesus because we're a child of his, but man, we don't want to have that encounter with him because we're ashamed of what we've done. Guilt keeps us from the very one who can fix the issue. So it seems that Simon waited there until the disciples got there with the rest of the fish. Jesus had started a fire and he was already cooking bread and some fish. He told them to bring the fish there. And um, around that fire, 
you wonder if Peter remembered that fire in the courtyard when he had locked eyes with Jesus. And you wonder if Jesus even had made that fire to help Peter remember that time. And around that fire, Jesus uh, cooked breakfast for them. And it seems they didn't actually say anything during breakfast. It just seems they sat silently. They knew it was the Lord, verse 12 says of 21. They knew it was the Lord. They just sat in awe of him. And so finally, after breakfast, Jesus breaks the silence. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than what? These. Jesus is taking Peter right back to that time when he said, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. And Peter said, I'll go with you, I'll die with you, even if these others run, not me. And Jesus said, Peter, we've been through a lot, haven't we? (laughs) You really love me more than these? You said you did. And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Notice he doesn't say more than these. He just says, you know, I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my lambs. And and he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus said, well, then tend my sheep. I've got stuff for you to do. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time. Why was Peter grieved? Because he knew Jesus was taking him right back to those three denials. He knew Jesus was taking him right back to his sin. By the way, that is a critical truth of brokenness. Notice Jesus doesn't say, hey, Peter, you had a bad day. Let's just forget about it. Hey, Peter, man, you know what? Let's not worry about it. That was, a long, that was before the cross. That was a long time ago. Jesus always takes us back to our brokenness. If you have a disease in your body, you don't just say, I got a disease in my body. I take a couple aspirin. You go to the disease and you cut it out, right? And Jesus goes right back to brokenness, a critical truth of recovering from brokenness. Simon says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, well, feed my sheep. There's a lot more to the story. Let's just stop there for one second. Each of these denials, Jesus goes back and asks, do you love me? He goes back and addresses the issue of brokenness. As I was thinking uh, through this sermon, I was thinking that uh, it seems that there, are, there could be many ways, but three, three ways a lot of people deal with brokenness. See if you can resonate, see if the, any of these resonate with you. Some people wallow in their brokenness. Some people seem to be proud that they are broken. You hear people all the time, you know, I'm just a broken person. I'm just a broken individual. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for my salvation. But I got to tell you, I'm a sinner. I am broken. 
and they wallow in their brokenness. You ever hear people talk like that? Somehow, I guess, they think it helps people relate to them or transparency or vulnerability. But man, I'm just a poor, broken person. We're supposed to be the light of the world, aren't we? Who wants to follow a broken person? Who wants to follow someone who has been redeemed by Jesus? We don't wallow in our brokenness. We are broken. You're broken, I'm broken, everybody here is broken, right? We admit it. But we have been changed by Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Here is a, a list of brokenness. Here are, here's a list of people who continually, habitually live in their brokenness. They are broken. They haven't met Jesus yet. They're just living in their sin. And there's the list. Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. They don't know Jesus. They're living in that. That's their lifestyle. And what's the next verse say? Read it with me. And such were some of you, but you're not that anymore. You have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. You've been forgiven. He empowers you. You're not broken anymore. You are a child of God. Will you go back sometimes and do broken, foolish, sinful stuff? Yeah, but you're not that person. You're a child of God. Remember, you are secure. You're significant. You're accepted. You're forgiven. You're empowered. Your identity is in Christ, not in your brokenness but in Jesus. A second thing that some people do, they retreat into their brokenness. They go into it and live there, into the sexual immorality, into the pornography, into the self-pity, into the, oh man, I could never do anything for God because of my past. I'm just a broken person. I'm gonna retreat into my brokenness and live there. That's what Catherine felt like. Remember, uh, remember David? That's what he, David, man after God's own heart. That's what he did after Saul chased him around for 10 years. David said, man, I'm done. I'm going to retreat into the land of the enemy. At least Saul won't be after me there. And so David went and lived in the land of the enemy. When you live in your brokenness, you're living in the land of the enemy. It's Satan's territory, right? And so you're living in the land of the enemy. And David, when you live in the land of the enemy, you're going to lie, you're going to live a life of lies, deceit, and cover up. And that's what Catherine did. She said this, Ziklag, the place that David went to was Ziklag to hide. Ziklag is not a place you suddenly decide to go. It is, it is quiet, gradual journey. Think of, listen to this, in the opposite direction of where you want to be and away from the one to whom you belong. In the opposite direction of where you want to be, and away from the one to whom you belong. For me, Ziklag became a, a life of using the world to fill the parts of me that felt empty. My lifestyle was not blatant 
which allowed me to live a quote-unquote successful double life for many years. The years in Ziklag produced waves. Listen to what she says. You can relate to this. I can relate to this. Waves of guilt, conviction, and efforts to leave, and then waves of complete indifference and indulgence. I felt hopeless and intensely aware of my inability to ever get out. And so that's what some people do. Retreat. I'm just going to live in my brokenness. Here's what God calls us to do. Repent. Not wallow, not retreat, but repent. That's what Peter the Rock did after he fell. And after many people in Scripture fell and after we fall, God is asking us to repent. The word repent means I am headed this direction. Even as a believer, here's my father. Here's my heavenly father. I'm headed this direction away from him. And I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be in a dangerous spot from him. And so repent means I turn around. I change my ways, change of mind, change of heart, change of direction, repent. And I move back to the place that I need to be, close to the Father. That's what God calls us to do. And here's the deal. Repentance is the only way out of brokenness. Remember what Pete said? Some people don't deal with their brokenness and then they just bury it in their soul. And when you bury your brokenness in your soul, it just continues to sprout up. Repentance is a change of heart and a change of action and a change of mind. And notice that Jesus did not dismiss Peter's sin. He had just died for it on the cross. He took Peter back to that and said, Peter, that's what you did. It's what you shouldn't have done. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You got to deal with the brokenness or you'll stay in it. Repent of it. Own it. It's not your mom and dad's fault. It's not your spouse's fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's not your boss's fault. Deal with it. Own it. And say, God, you got to take it because I'm incapable. I'm incapable of getting out of Ziklag. I'm incapable of coming to you unless you draw me back to yourself. Now, Jesus said, Hey, he didn't say, hey, Peter, everything here, everything from here is going to be a bed of roses. He didn't say that at all. In fact, in verses 18 and 19, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said to Peter, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. And when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you to where you don't want to go. By the way, that doesn't relate to us much, but in that day, that was a description of crucifixion. And that's why John says in parentheses in verse 19, that's this he said to show by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And after saying this, he said to Peter, here's all I need you to do. What? Follow me. Just follow me. Peter looks around and he says, wait a second. I'm going to have that kind of death. What about John? What about him? We like to do that, don't we? What about other people? And remember what Jesus said? It doesn't matter. 
how I choose to lead John the rest of the way home. You, what? Follow me. So here's a question. Can you deny Jesus three times? And ever, ever be restored? It's the good news, isn't it? The apostle Peter became one of the greatest leaders the church has ever known. The man who denied Jesus three times over became one of the became the rock became one of the strongest proclaimers of the message of Jesus Christ the church has ever known. And he wrote two books in his first letter he wrote this 1 Peter 5:6 Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. That's what repentance is about, isn't it? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that in the proper time, he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties, cast all your guilt, cast all your shame, cast all your discouragement, cast all your embarrassment, cast it on him because he cares for you. He took care of it. So today, you may be sitting in that seat of brokenness. And here's the deal, guys. You don't have to stay there. You can choose to stay there. But that's your choice, not God's for you. He wants you to get up. He has great things for you. He wants you to be the light in this dark generation, in this dark day. He wants you to declare who he is by your lips and by your life. And you cannot do that when you're sitting in the seat of brokenness. But you can do that when, like Peter, Jesus encounters you and says, let's deal with it, Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then follow me because I got great things for you to do. And God has great things for you to do. Let me sum this thing up. God's remedy for brokenness is this. True repentance. Simon Peter wept bitterly when he saw Jesus in that courtyard. And then when Jesus encountered him and dealt with his sin, he was grieved in his heart. Do you grieve your sin or are you just sorry you got caught? Do you grieve your sin? And grieving your sin doesn't mean, hey, God, I'm really sorry about this little flirtatious, uh, you know, relationship I got going on. I'm really sorry about that. And and I feel pretty bad about it, but I'm not going to really do anything about it because I may want to enter into that tomorrow. That's not repentance. I'm sorry about this pornography, God. You know, I really, I'm really shamed about it. I'm embarrassed about it, and, and I'm guilty about it. I'm not going to do anything about it because I may want to get back into it tomorrow. Not repentance. Repentance is, I may fall again, but I'm going to put barriers up. 
I'm going to do things in my, I am going to do some physical things. I am sorry for it. I've grieved heaven. I've sinned against God. And I'm going to do something. Because repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a change of action if you're truly repentant. And if you're truly repentant, there is always forgiveness, right? Aren't you glad of that? God takes our sin and he puts it, it says he casts our sin behind his back. He throws our sin in the depths of the sea. He separates our sin as far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103. He remembers our sin no more. The trouble is, sometimes we can't forget it, right? I had a guy come up last night and said, you know, it's great that God forgets it. I just can't. But here's the deal. And I know this is hard, and I know only God can help us work through this, but just think, just think about that. If our sin holds us back, right, and if God's already forgiven it and chosen to forget it and move on, and we keep holding it, that, that's a little bit of pride, isn't it? We've got to let go of it just like God did. God's chosen to forget it. We have to say, Lord, help me to forget it. I don't want to live in it. You died for it. You've forgiven me of it. I want to move forward. I want to be the person you've called me to be. That's what happened to Catherine. She lived in Ziklag for a long time. And then um, she, she said, um, I thought I was just going to stay there. I thought that's all God had for me. I was going to live the rest of my life in Ziklag, retreating from God. And then she tells a story about how God, through a bunch of circumstances, broke through and rescued her and brought her out. And she said this, a year ago, I thought Ziklag was my future. Today, it is a memory that amazingly feels more distant with each day. I am confident today that God is going to use those years for his purpose and glory. I see his hand in them despite how far away I was. I see how he spared me. I see how he protected me from consequences. I see how he never will let me go. Yes, God burst in and saved me on that day. But he continues to save me every day. And for that, I will rejoice and praise him every single day. That can be your story as well. You don't have to stay in retreat. You don't have to stay wallowing. God can burst through. And he can deliver you from that, from that paralysis of brokenness. Repentance and restoration. Man, that's the kind of God we serve. Second Sunday of Advent. We are, um, last week, Dave took us through loneliness and the love that we have in Jesus. And the second Sunday of Advent. Got it. Is, uh, is hope. What confronts brokenness? Hope. And hope in Scripture is not, I hope the Steelers win tomorrow, is it? 
I hope it gets warmer. But in scripture, hope is, I know, I am confident. We're gonna sing this song, um, uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's a great Christmas song. And a lot of times with songs we know, we kind of sing the words and don't think of them, right? Think about these words, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and what? And ransom captive Israel. Brokenness is captive. Brokenness is prison. Brokenness is paralysis. O come, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, come and and break through and deliver me from my prison of brokenness. Who, Who mourns in lowly exile here. That's what you feel like in brokenness, isn't it? Exiled from God. Who, lone, who moans in lonely exile here un, until what? Until the Son of God appears. He's come. He's here. And now we can celebrate the fact that he forgives us and he restores us, transforms us, and has some great, great things for us to do. Father, speak to our hearts Lord, we know our sinfulness. We know our brokenness, but we don't want to glory in that. We want to glory in you who, who fixes us, who heals us, who, who transforms us into lights that shine in a dark world with the message of Jesus Christ. Be with us, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.